contracts, another way to show that a contract cannot be enforced is by duress and undue influence. These are two separate things. Duress is governed by the restatement sections 174 through 76, and then undue influence is governed by restatement sections 177, the second restatement of contracts, obviously. Our first case is Taunton Marine Tug and Barge versus Alieska Pipeline Service Co. If any of you are familiar with Alaska, you know that the pipeline in Alaska is a very, it's a big deal up there. And Alieska was a big p- company of actually creating this pipeline. And so this is a company where Toton Marine Tug and Barge is new to the business and they're trying to get involved in the business of shipping. And so Alieska hires them to go and grab pipeline material from Houston and to bring it up to Alaska and Houston, Texas, because Texas is known for oil, to bring that material up to Alaska. But ultimately, there was a whole lot of complications here. Uh, Alaska ended up terminating the agreement, signed a release uh, saying, this is how much we're going to pay you. It was about a third of as much as they said that they were going to pay and so Toton is suing, saying, hey, we need the whole $300,000, and you only did this because we are facing bankruptcy if we, we didn't get any money at all. So this is an example of economic duress. Under the traditional common law, to show duress, there needed to be a threat of physical harm or a loss of limb, mayhem, or imprisonment. So in other words, a person would have to come to you with a gun, pointed at your head to say, sign this paper now or else. And that would be duress. That's the traditional rule, and the traditional rule did not allow for economic uh, duress. But since then, it's broadened out. Economic duress is allowed. And this is a subjective test, meaning some people may be found to be under economic duress and under one circumstance, and underneath those same fact patterns, another company might not be found to be underneath economic duress. And this is because people have different situations. A poor person may not need the money as much as a rich person. And so, in this instance, if there is a company who is well-founded in the business, well, then they do not need the money as much as Tottenham did in this situation. So what's our rule? Well, economic defense and duress in this case is defined as a party who involuntarily accept terms where circumstances permit no alternative as a result of coercive acts of the other party. Okay, so let's just break that up. It's pretty much two elements. First, there needs to be a wrongful act, wrongful act of the other party. And two, that wrongful act needs to produce no other choice except to accept the terms. So in other words, Tom had no choice to accept the terms. It was either take the significantly decreased amount of money or go into bankruptcy. And so because of this, their contract was voidable, meaning they could choose whether or not to enforce it. Let's go ahead and move now into undue duress, sorry, undue burden undue influence. I apologize. Again, this is governed underneath uh, Restatement Second and Tort, Sections 177. Our case here is Odorazi versus Bloomington School District. 
this instance, the person was forced to resign after uh, being charged with the crime. And then later, he uh, those charges were dropped. He tried to get his job back and was unsuccessful, so he sued. And he's saying when they approached him to force him to resign, they had used undue influence. And it's because he was awake for 40 hours by that point. He had just undergone questioning. They came to his house uh, and... Uh, said, you don't need an attorney. This needs to be taken care of right now. And ultimately, he signed this under this influence. So there's two elements to show undue influence. First of all, the definition of undue influence is persuasion which tends to be coercive in nature, persuasion which overcomes the will without convincing the judgment. So there are two elements. The first element is a weakened party. Uh, in this case, that would have been Adarazi, uh, who was forced to resign due to this uh, his circumstances. He was weakened. And two, excessive persuasion. And to show excessive persuasion, the courts examine several factors. There's a list of seven. I'll just go through them really quick, and then we can see how they were used. First, discussion of a transaction at an inappropriate time. Second, enactment of the transaction in an unusual place. Third, demand of immediate completion. Fourth, emphasis of the consequences of a delay. Fifth, multiple persuaders against one weekend party. Six, the lack of third-party counsel to the weekend party. And seven, statements uh, that say there is no time to seek outside counsel. Just from the fact patterns that I laid out, you can see that there was a violation of a lot, if not all, of these factors. All the factors do not need to be violated, but a significant portion of this will show that there was undue influence. Here, it was at an inappropriate time, at night, unusual places, apartment instead of the school. uh, Demanded that it happen right now. There was consequences, and we'll make your charges public. You won't get a job. Uh, so on and so forth, all the way down the list. And so this was an example of undue influence. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Law Schoolers. Before I let you go, there are four things I want to say. The first thing is if you enjoyed these episodes and if you enjoyed the website, I would invite you to go and join Law Schoolers Pro. And you can do that by going to lawschoolers.com slash join. It's a way for you to support us, but there's also a lot of features there that I think you will enjoy. Second thing is that nearly all of our episodes are unedited. The only ones that aren't are pre-law materials, and the reason for that is so you can actually see the legal material in its raw form as I'm learning it as well. The third thing is that the information contained in these episodes are specifically only for educational purposes. They're not to be used as legal advice. And with that, the fourth thing is, if it is used as legal advice, we are not liable. That is, law schoolers is not liable for any legal outcomes. Thank you again for enjoying the show. Have a good one.